Hello, lovelies. Welcome to Lessons from the Universe with Jennifer Hall. In this podcast, you will find that there is no topic off limits and that we talk about just about everything that might be on your mind when it comes to knowing yourself, growing yourself, and the entire process of spiritual awakening. You will hear lots of laughter and hopefully join in, and you will hear the occasional four-letter word. You will definitely hear some inspiration, and occasionally you might even get your ass kicked. Come hang out and see what it's all about. Let's do this. So I can't remember if I told y'all or not, but I joined a book club. Now, this is super outside of my <laughs> of my norm, okay? Uh I've actually never belonged to a book club before. Um, It's in my neighborhood, and um, we're talking like just reading for pleasure kind of books. Now, I appreciate reading for pleasure, and I've always kind of wished I was the person that read for pleasure, but I read for information. When I am interested in something, I want to learn about it. I get the book. I read whichever parts of the book interest me or whichever parts I feel called towards. I am always learning something new, uh, but sort of like the kind of jack of all trades, master of none philosophy. Not unlike my gardening. I call myself a survival of the fittest gardener, right? I put things places and if it's happy, it gets to stay, (laughs) right? And if not, uh, I move it. Um, Anyway, so the universe conspired to have me join this neighborhood book club, partly with the big ice storm, uh, partly with just, well, just the way the universe does. It was very clear Jennifer had no choice. Jennifer was going to join this book club. Now, what is actually not important to this conversation is that I hated the book. It was so boring. You guys, boring. I literally told my children, life is too short to finish reading this book, and therefore I did not. What is interesting about this is that I knew I had to go, and so I really made an effort to be completely open-minded. I went in with the intention of not reading everybody in the room. It is a very rare occasion that I'm in a group that I'm not just reading people, and if it's not that, it's memories of when I was younger and I would just be thinking about myself, right? What are people thinking of me? Now, I have spent the past, it will be 11 years in April, as a mother attempting to teach my children that they did not need to be concerned about what people think about them, if people like them or not, um, only if they like themselves, and maybe, if anything, if they like the other people, right? So I went into this uh, situation uh, with all of those things in mind. Now, all of the usual characters were there. The borderline racist old lady who just got engaged, adorable. The young 20-something who literally could not even make herself quit talking, right? Told the same story like three times. And I could even feel at one point she wanted to shut up and she just couldn't. Um, When I recognized the parallel that that had to all of us at some point in time, uh, usually when we're young, I was able to find it a little bit endearing. Uh, At first I was like, oh my Lord, (laughs) sweet people, all of them, sweet people. In fact, the, the older lady was the one who got engaged, who 
I mean, she really, she wasn't trying to be racist. She's not really borderline racist. Anyway, sweet. Probably my favorite person at the whole thing, right? Like, I dig this lady. She totally seems like she could be a client. Anyway, so there's all these people and I'm looking around and, you know, there's the two that are like really trying to be into the book and be very intellectual who also really perceive themselves as, you know, older and wiser than the majority of people other than the quote unquote elders. Um, Y'all know, if you've been listening long, you know, I kind of enjoy it <laughs> when people think I'm significantly younger than I am, not for vanity reasons, but I think it's amusing um, how they take on this air of like age and wisdom and superiority. And then they find out I'm five, 10 years older than them. And they're like, sort of dumbfounded, which, you know, I appreciate that. <laughs> I like, not in, not in a way that's ugly, right? Not in a, ooh, I got you way, but there's a humbling that happens instantaneously. So as I'm observing these people in the way that they communicate, I am recognizing how easy it is to make a very quick assumption of, I don't like someone, or I do like someone, right? And remember, we're putting intuition down intentionally and we're just paying attention to the way people communicate and present themselves in the world. There's the one chick who clearly is super type A and, you know, we're going around saying, you know, where we live in the neighborhood, it's a small neighborhood. And she's pointing out like what's wrong with each person's house, right? There's a, oh, you live in the house with the car that's covered in bird shit out front, or you've got the you know, all of the scrap wood piled up in your driveway or whatever. I mean, clear. I'm thinking, man, based on that, this doesn't seem like the most fun person. But as I allowed myself to not snap into judgments, right, I ended up actually really liking that one. I was thinking, man, that's judgmental. I I don't like it when people, you know, are looking around at what's wrong with people. But man, she was actually similar to me in making those like really low off the cuff comments that, you know, only the people who deserve them can catch. And man, that was fun, right? So for the first half hour, I was bored. I was like, why am I here? And I was just focusing so hard on staying present and being a part of understanding why I was there, right? We were supposed to go around and just say our names and where we lived, how long we'd been in the neighborhood. That did not happen. Each person ended up telling all kinds of stuff, even, ironically, the couple of people who made snippy, snarky comments at people who went off on tangents, went off on their own tangents, which I found very amusing. And they were humbled. Right. And for me, being humbled, it's not a, oh, karma gotcha, you're screwed thing. It's, oh, they just learned something about themselves. And I found myself throughout the conversations, after about the half hour mark, when I said, let's take a look at what people get from this. Because this group has been meeting monthly for like six months. And um, this was my first one. And People, you know, once I joined like the Facebook group that manages the thing, whatever, people are really into this group. Like they feel like it's the best thing. They are appreciative of each other and the whole thing, even though I'm watching people be self-obsessed or critical or, you know, visibly bored or <laughs> whatever at different times, 
I decide to remind myself that they're all getting something from this that keeps them going back month after month. And sure, I guess for some people it could be FOMO, right? Like some people just fear what happens if I'm not there. I really did ask myself if that was what made me join, um, but it wasn't. <laughs> I really don't have any fear of missing it. But I wanted to see what are these people getting from this experience? I'm still unclear in a lot of ways. There is something very meaningful about just sitting in other people's presence for a couple of hours a month. There is, you could call it a false closeness. For anyone who knows spiritual connection, it probably, to me, a lot of it feels like a false closeness. Like they don't really know each other or whatever. But if I reflect on like my experience when I became a soccer mom, for years, I had friends who knew me just as Fox and Phoenix's mom. They did not know anything else about me, anything about my history, what I like, what I do for a job, just to sit together and chat and just be in the same space. And I found value in that. And then I got to thinking about how when I talk to my clients and other people, how people label friendship is very different, right? My kids are a good example. My daughter has lots of friends. My son barely has any friends. The truth is they have the exact same number of friends. They're twins. They do all the same things and know all the same people. And yet, because of the way they define friendship, my son thinks of it as one or two, and then all of these acquaintances where my daughter sees many friends. And that has to be what's going on in these book clubs. Spiritual people, I, I want you to realize that just because the connection that you value, that you prioritize, is the very few and far between deep, intense connections, there are other people who do not see the world with those same eyes, right? They value you up on that scale, right? They value those surfacey connections. And the truth is, those are usually the people who show up when you need them. If you need a meal delivered or someone to come help pump water out of your kitchen, it's not normally that best friend that shows up. It's that neighbor or it'll be some random Facebook person. You know, years ago, we had to move an unbelievably ginormous, heavy fish tank and we posted on Facebook who could help. And the people who volunteered to help were not family. They were not people we were close to. It was the husband and son of a girl I went to elementary school with. Like, why do we undervalue these different types of connections? They are equal in value. They are just different. Like experiences, right? They are equal in value, just different. And that differentness can make them seem bigger and better and more important. But are they really? Is any one moment really more special than the other? Is any one flower really more special than the other? I love red roses, but are red roses more special than the pink ones? They're not. They're not. 
And so we have to find ourselves sitting in these experiences and listening and being present and carefully choosing which parts to give value to. This woman told the story of the death of her husband and her falling in love again and getting engaged and all of those things. And the story was beautiful. And in it, there were a couple of moments where my (laughs) 46-year-old ears said, eek! But it didn't take away the beauty of that story of her own evolution through her own grief and of the intention of love that she had behind the couple of very small comments that made me cringe. And the truth is it was a story of overcoming bias. But we are so accustomed to hearing the bias and not the overcoming. And that has been strengthened and magnified this year, right? We've had so much go on in the past 12 months that has made us more distinct in our judgments. Not that we can't be, you know, extreme in some cases. I mean, let's be clear. I will judge you by your thoughts, by your words, by your actions. If you are racist, we will not be friends. But there is a difference between being racist and then being some 70-year-old somebody who is overcoming a bias that they were taught. And that is a line we need to make sure that we notice. Beloved, I find myself looking forward to meeting this group again, even though I spent more time bored than not, even though I really found that there were a couple of uh, personalities or communication styles that irritated me when they were just on the surface. I'm going to challenge myself to not read these people because I can do that right? You can do that too. You can really get at intuitively what is beneath the way they represent themselves. And when you understand that, suddenly all kinds of personality quirks become understandable, tolerable, whatever. But what if we learn to value people without having to know the underneath? without having to imagine we're in their shoes because that is flawed and does not work, right? That's you with your life and your experiences and your wisdom in their shoes. But what if we just didn't have to imagine their shoes at all? What if it is of no value? What if it is of no value whether or not they're married? What if it is of no value what their career is? What if all that is of value is that they breathe, that they exist, And that for whatever reasons, the universe has lined up events so that you are sitting in the same room at the same time, on the same Zoom call at the same time, in the same office at the same time, in the same line at the same time. Here we are together sharing energy. And at the core of us, we are all magnificent. What if we release the focus on what others may think of us, release 
but focus on what we think of others and just focus on being present. What if we start that right now? Whether it's with the people in your home, the people in your office, the people in the car next to you, if you're listening to me while you travel, what if we just be? We are, after all, human beings being present. Our spirit could be anywhere, but it wants to be sitting in this chair, having this life, listening to these words, experiencing conversations and events, whether it's about some book where everybody's sitting six feet apart in a backyard, or it's about something deep, or even if it's about nothing at all, if it's about the pandemic, just having this experience together, those of you who are going in for vaccines, just being at the same place at the same time with so many other people who are making the same decision, despite your diversities, what if we just existed together and sat in our presence and our calm and in the wisdom that we wouldn't be here if we weren't supposed to? Live in that space this week, beloved. Until next time, namaste.